0: Can we turn into um, to 2 Timothy 1, please? We're going to start a revolution in this church called Paper Bibles. Some of you may not have heard of it. Um, it comes... it has Mine is a special one, and I've bragged about this goat skin leather. Um, and I don't know, I've got a calf skin and I've got a goat skin. So guys, um, if i said before, if you're vegan, I do apologize, but they... They make great Bibles, okay. Um, and really, like, no, there's nothing for me like a, a like it's great, uh, technology is awesome on our phones, but there's, there's a thing called distraction, which I tend to live and out of and try to fight my whole life as that uh, I get too distracted on my phone. So I, I moved from my phone, my daily Bible reading, to a paged Bible. Anyway, it's beside the point, Okay. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that for 2,000 years, this, this is the thing that carries the punch, that carries the, the, the thing that changes our hearts. And uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that as your word is spoken today, you would highlight what you need to highlight. You'd speak into my heart. You'd speak into everyone else, else's heart about what we need to change, what we need to uh, Just lay aside whatever it is, Father, we're here to listen to you and we're open to you in Jesus' mighty name. So we're going through the book of 2 Timothy, and last week I gave quite a a, a long introduction, which I'm not going to do again, but it's just an, an incredible book that for me, 2,000 years ago, it speaks straight into our culture. It speaks into so many different things. And I love that about the Word of God, that it's, that it's not uh, just stuck in a time and place. And although we have to view the Bible from a time and place so we can understand it fully, what the author was intending to say to Timothy in that time, in the city that Timothy lived in that time, in the church that Timothy lived in, but it can speak directly to us. It can it can i've had times i don 't know if you guys have had this in your daily reading, and it doesn't happen in Leviticus all that often. It often happens in the Psalms and in the nice books No, it 's all nice books. okay, just calm down um, but um it says books that are a little bit easier to read. It's like the words jump out off the page and they're onto you. And, I, and that's what it's been with a little bit with this book for me. I feel like God's just been giving me revelation. Um, and it's, and I've, got a, I've got this Bible, which is my kind of pulpit Bible. And then I've got my journal Bible where I prepare sermons and it's just scribbling and it's, it's awesome. Um, and I encourage you, just, you can draw in your Bible. Just don't add to Scripture, the Bible says, but you can, you can draw in it. So that's okay. So let's read this together from 1 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 1 verse 6 to 14. So it's a bit of scripture, and we're just going to cover that this morning. Um, it says this, For this reason I'm reminded, sorry, let's start again. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, His prisoner. Rather, join me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it, was, uh, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and is brought to life, um, and immortality to the light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know that, uh, whom, whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. What you have heard from me, keep as as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that is entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And uh, like I said on the video, the beginning of this text starts with fan into flame, which is... I'd say almost the, the key point in a, many, in a lot of the, what Paul's trying to get across to Timothy, and he starts to speak about false teachers and who Jesus is and how we need to live in the world and, and all of these things. But it starts out with fan into flame, the gift of God that is placed inside of you. And whenever you see the word, so in NIV in, in it says for, other versions it says therefore. Whenever you see therefore, you have to go before. So you have to understand the context of the book, but also what is written. What is written slightly before that, before he starts to talk about this gift, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother your niece, and I'm persuaded lives in you also. Paul's saying that, this, that the, the faith that lived in your, your family lineage is now inside of you. Now therefore, fan this gift of God that's inside of your life. We need to remind ourselves, but Paul is reminding Timothy of this commissioning moment. There was obviously where where Timothy was brought in front of the church. They had the uh, the apostles come and lay hands on him. There was an impartation of gifts, which again I think we've missed if we read into scripture what. What Paul is actually saying that through the laying on of hands, there's an impartation that happens, and I've I've had that in my life. I've I've been prayed for by different people. I, I remember clearly one guy, Keir Taylor. Some of you may know him, and he was a, a an evangelist, and he and he called Stalin out of the crowd. This was many many years ago, sixteen seventeen years ago. He laid hands on us, and he prayed for us, and we got filled with the Spirit. I, I don't know if I fell back or fell to my knees, but something happened, and it was I was different from that day. There was and just before that we. It, it, so just after that, we got uh, called onto to the eldership team. And there was an spirit empowering. And I need to, we need to remind ourselves, we need to go back to the things that He's spoken over your life. And if you haven't had a prophetic word over your life, I'd encourage you to come up for prayer afterwards. Come find your community group leader. Find someone you know who's prophetic. Everyone's going to probably run to Annalene. But there's many other prophetic people in the church um just just go and say just speak life of me and in, even in the community groups you guys who's part of a community group yet? Do you want trying to raise your hand quickly cool about half i'd encourage you to get involved in because this week I, one of the first things that the guys are going to get they haven't got the notes yet but uh, is they're going to be we're going to Prophesy over one another. Speak life over one another. And even if you don't have a prophetic word, sometimes there's some obvious things over people's lives that they need to be reminded of. And this is what Paul is doing to Timothy. Timothy, who um, Paul writes, he says, the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Here you have Timothy who, by all uh, kind of account we can see through Scripture, was a timid person. He was a reluctant leader, and he was physically weak. Paul even says, have a little bit of wine because your stomach gets upset. I'm like, he's not, your number, he's not an A-type leader, let's be honest. But what, what Paul is reminding you now, he says that this, that, that, I, I wrote it down here. Yeah. Paul is saying that the gift in you by the Spirit of God is more powerful than the lack in the natural realm. So, and I've seen that in my life. Honestly, by the Spirit of God, things happen that I could never dream of. There's, there's, I have natural giftings that I, I can lean upon in certain times, and then there's also, when you've been pastoring for a while, you have a lot of kind of gifting memory, you can kind of walk into certain things and know how to, what to do in situations, but when the Spirit of God does something f- through in and through you, it's way beyond what you can ever dream or imagine, and you start to do, this church is way beyond my natural gift and ability, we, we build a church that is about, uh, we, we had plugged in this week, it's the priesthood of all believers, which means we're all involved, we're all in, and we all bring our gifts to the table, because that's what grows a body, it, got to, it, it matures us all together. Some leaders you need to rein in, and I've seen this over 10 years, and some leaders you need to push out. And Timothy was this, was this reluctant leader who was, who was at that stage leading an incredible church, a large church for its time. And they said it was possibly into the thousands because of the effect that it was having. And it's amazing how God chooses Timothy. God didn't choose Apollos. He didn't choose this like A type personality, but he chose Timothy who was reluctant and timid. And he says, do you know what? I'm going to put my spirit in you. And because of that, I can do incredible things through you. So please do not look at your natural ability when God wants to use you. Ever. It happened with Moses. Moses, reluctant leader. I don't know how to speak. It doesn't matter if you don't know how to speak or not. Because I'm going to tell you, later on we're going to see that when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you can do anything because of Him. Do not neglect your gift, which was given through prophecy and the elders laying hands on you. God chose David. I love the story of David because it was one of the first prophetic words I got over my life. At six, seven years old, my dad made me a sling. And I used to go up to a large oak tree in the back and I used to sling and try to hit a stone. I love the story. Didn't understand what it is, but it's something that lives inside all of us that we all root for the underdog. David was this incredible underdog. Can you imagine the prophet comes into town? This isn't um, some, like many prophets. There was one prophet. It was Samuel. He comes into town. And he he goes to David's dad, Jesse, and he says, listen, can you pull all your sons together? The Holy Spirit, well, God has told me that I need to anoint one of your sons as the next king of Israel. So they're like, oh, pull him in. Let's do a feast. And they they line up all the brothers. And then Samuel goes to the one, and he goes, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. He was tall, dark, handsome. Um, His name was Daniel. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) His name was Clint. Um yeah, funny. And, um, but then Samuel looks at him and goes, surely the Lord's anointed is in front of me. And he goes, no, it's not. Goes to the next one, next one, next one. And eventually gets to the end of this, this line. And I can imagine Samuel thinks he's like missed God's voice. He's like, do you have another son? He goes, yeah, I do. I have one who's out in the field. The word is like the runt of the litter. Looking after the sheep, the forgotten one, the one that no one thought anything of. Pull him here. And as he comes in, he says, this is the one. Because God does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And I can tell you, if you keep your heart right before Jesus, he will do incredible things in and through your heart and life. Just don't worry about position. Don't worry about all these things. Just watch your life, your doctrine closely. God chose Timothy, not because of Timothy, but because of his purpose and grace in and through his life. Fan into flame. This is the crux of Christianity. It's, it's, it's a both and. It's my responsibility. It's your, uh, as much as God does all the work, if we don't respond to this work of God, we will just stay a little ember. I, I remember growing up, um, and I was a scout. It was cool, don't worry. All you guys are thinking you're a nerd. Um, I was a little bit of a nerd and uh, I loved scouts. I used to cheat on my badges. Sorry. I even apologized to God one day about that. I used to, I used to, uh, (laughs) I used to make, I used to make fake letters. Um, clearly my handwriting, like a nine year old's handwriting, fake my mom's signature. I'd give it to the scout. Uh, troop guy, and then he'd give me a badge because I supposedly did this. I'm like, he probably just gave it purely out of ingenuity, you know? Like, he's like, this guy, if he's going to go to so much effort, he actually deserves this badge. But anyway, one of the things we learned as a scout is how to start a fire with nothing. So you didn't have matches, although I had a little survival kit. I was a strange kid, okay? So I I had a survival kit that I I, uh, made, and it had everything in there. I used to carry it around everywhere, just in case. We're going to suburban shopping centre, and every apocalypse happens. I've got my survival kit, and I've got a, I've got a, a blanket in there, and it's amazing. We can listen. I can kill a cat, and we we we're good, you know. And um, it was, and we we learned how to make this fire, and it was like, and what you need for fire, you need you need fuel, you need oxygen, and you need heat. That comes through friction through a magnifying glass, not just to burn ants, but to actually put like to get a fire going. And I remember it was hard work. It didn't just start overnight. You had to kind of rub rub the sticks, rub the sticks, or like have your, even with your magnifying glass, and you have to get it right. But once it, a little ember starts and you've got your kindling, you start blowing it, and this thing starts to uh, blow up, and eventually it becomes this huge kind of campfire. And you're like, man, it started so small, but my responsibility there was to blow on the fire. And all of us need to blow on the fire of our lives. And that's why we have church, it's why we have community group, it's why we have worship times, it's why we, we sometimes call the men uh, to pray, we, we have Roberta coming at the end. Of, this is all to fan the, the gift of God that's inside of you, to fan it to flame, because God wants us to burn with the passion of Jesus. That is his ultimate God. Like we are not meant to live nominal Christian lives, and I think we can so get into routine. We can forget all that God's done, and we can just we can do church out of monotony and out of religion because we think we're pleasing God. And God's like, No, I'm already pleased with you. Just get on because I actually want to fill you with my fire and my presence to God into the world. But you need to fan the flame in your own life. So how do we do that? Prayer, worship, community, etc. What puts out the fire? Unrepentant sin. Repentance is a gift from God. I didn't say it's sin specifically because I think it, that's pretty obvious. But unrepentant, repentance is a thing where you can turn away, turn our face towards Jesus, and, and at times of refreshing come into our hearts and into our lives. Offenses, big one. All of us have been offended at times. May even be offended today by someone who didn't greet you, say hello to you. Whatever it is, we, I, I grew up in a, a movement that, that gave you 30 seconds to get over your offense. I think they moved it to three seconds. And I can tell you that that helps. Because if we, if we learn how to get over that thing, we won't trip over that stuff. Because that, that puts out the fire of God in our lives. Offences. Uh, cynicism. This is a big thing that we're living through. Where you get, you've get you grown up in church. You know church. You're like, oh, I've done this before. I've seen it all before. And then you become really cynical about how churches run. And then you have all the answers for how the church should be run, but you're not actually doing anything yourself with those answers, and that's called cynicism, and it doesn't help, because no, like I've said before, find the perfect church, and we'll all go there, because this is not it, not that we stop aiming for perfection, because Jesus is perfection, but we, we're on a journey together, just get involved, throw your life in, I always bring up Alistair, he's an absolute champ, he's just, oh, hey, oh. can you be on um, drums, all the uh, other drummers, maybe busy, whatever, like, for sure I'm here, he makes a plan. He, he rearranges his diary. He even moved his diary for going away on holiday by one day so he can be at the leaders' meeting at the end of the month. Those things, I can tell you, change. God says, okay, cool. I can use that person. Fan the flame. And huh? I'm, I'm not going to get through all of this. That's my introduction, sorry. Sorry. It's by the Spirit of God. It says, the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. It has to start with the Spirit of God. We met as pastors again this week, and we're going to be doing it every week until, until we feel like we need to stop. But we're just gathering together to pray and worship with no agenda. Because we all get to this point where we've built church for many years. We've done this thing, and, and we're just like, Jesus, we need you. We can't do this without you. We want your spirit to move across the churches. And I saw one of my friends who leads. I think it's Mosaic Church, different to us, but amazing church. And uh, and he was just like he was just kind of raving about what God's doing. I was like, yes, like that's. We want to celebrate these things. We want to because the spirit. We want the spirit of God to move in the us. So we need. It starts with the spirit of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Uh, Galatians 3 verse 3 says, Are oh, you so foolish by, getting, by beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you trying to finish them by means of the flesh? And I can tell you I've done that so many times in my life. God, ignites something in my heart and then I think I need to build structures and do all of these things to contain that. No, no, all I have to do is just follow Jesus, follow His Spirit. Galatians five sixteen. so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. We need to, we need to learn as followers of Jesus to walk by, by the Spirit, other versions say, keep in step with the Spirit. And that is through your conscience, through, through His Word, through people around you. And it says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's amazing. It says that the Spirit does not make us timid. There's no, uh, Taryn Williams who gave me a commentary on this and he says this, he goes, there is no situation you cannot handle without the Spirit's help. There is no person who can truly intimidate you with the Spirit's help. And I've grown up in my life intimidated by people. I don't know if it's like kind of a thing that, uh, like from my family history, if I look back at my dad possibly and my, my mom and you know, like you let, you let words and people affect you. And that's, that's reality and it's probably real for most of us. But I've had to get to a point in my life where Jesus takes, took, us, took me on a journey where he says, are you going to listen to my word above what people's opinions and thoughts of you are? And so many times I've had to get to this point where it is so scary inside me and I've had to kind of face people face to face and say, I'm not listening to that lie and I'm going to listen to what God is saying over my life. And honestly, I think that's a key thing in the spirit, just awakening on our hearts, is that we're listening to what He's saying first over what others are saying over us. God wants to set us free from that. It's, 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 it's illegitimate. Honestly, if someone came and set up a tent here and, and started, uh, like, so I'm, I've decided to live in the church, no, it's like, no, you, you, you are here illegitimately. You haven't been invited. Ryan's going to burn your tent down. And you're going to leave. And, um, and I think that's the thing. We let fear, we let situations, we let our past uh, make us timid. We, I honestly think we have to just dig into God. And I can tell you my story is that I've dug into God. And t- over time, I've become less afraid, less timid, less ruled by fear. It sometimes happens overnight, and I'd love to say I'd lay hands on you, and like, the spirit of fear disappears. No, it's actually, you have to, because it's one of those battles that you often have to fight for yourself. No one else can fight that for you. I, I would love that if someone laid hands on me, and I was, I'd, I'd, the spirit of fear, whatever it is, would just leave me. I mean, I told you my story in 2017. I, I had a clear spiritual attack on my life that lasted about just over a year, and it was the roots of, a lot of that stuff was just the f- fear. And God had to root that out of me. And uh, He keeps rooting it out of me. I don't know what the future holds. Please, Jesus, I hope it's not jail and uh, dying somewhere. But, you know, like He's rooting fear out of me. Slowly, slowly, slowly. The Spirit gives us power, love, and a sound mind. And sometimes, I've, I mean, I've, I've quoted that, and it's like such a bumper sticker uh, um, quote. And you're like, when you're in this moment, if the, the Spirit of God has given me love, power, and a sound mind. It does not make me timid. It gives me love, power, and a sign, mind. But you actually have to apply that in the moment. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now go take the land. Meditate on the Word of God day and night. Now go take the land. See, the Word of God begins to change our thinking and our thoughts so we can actually step out in faith and in strength. Okay, so it's what gives us a sound mind. We fail to flame the gospel, sorry, uh, the gift of God in our lives by suffering for the gospel, in brackets. And um, the, we don't like that word necessarily as, as modern Christians. We're like, you know, just preach a gospel that's going to say, I'm going to have lots of money in my bank account. It's going to be awesome. The best is yet to come. I do like that kind of statement, but it's, yes, ultimately in Jesus, the best is yet to come, and he does bless you. And we do walk in blessing, and I've seen that in my own life, but sometimes there's going to be suffering. And I can tell you, that is the thing that you push into God the most. When when there's like, and not that it's happened that often in city lights, but when there's like very little in the bank account, like I'm on my knees, you know, Jesus, I've got salaries to pay. Um, when, there's, when there's times of, of uh, opposition, that's when you're on your knees. And I think that's what's actually, by an by outside force or whatever it is that you walk through, that is the thing that actually stirs the gift of God inside of you. Because I honestly believe it's only when we face opposition do we truly see what's inside of us. Winston Churchill, he was only Winston Churchill because of World War II. And he stood up and he did these incredible speeches and he, and he found, I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he, 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 he found resolve and he, and he brought this whole uh, allied forces together that eventually beat Nazi Germany and the world is completely different. But he wouldn't be anything if there wasn't opposition. And the, these great men and women in history have risen up because there's been opposition and we need to have boldness and strength when there's going to be suffering. And I, I love the, the stories in Scripture where, where Peter, be, before he was um, filled with the Spirit, denied Jesus three times, was kind of, I don't want to be associated with Jesus because if I'm associated with Him, they might call me and crucify me on the cross. And then, he, and then a few months later, he gets filled with the Spirit of God. And then he preaches on those same streets to the same people, to thousands of people where 3,000 people were added to their number and saved that day. We need the Spirit of God in those moments of suffering and um, suffering for the gospel because you can also suffer out of stupidity and uh, that's sometimes just, and oh, no, I've done that. We just have to walk the road. I made a bad decision. Okay, cool. I've got to walk out these consequences of that bad decision. Um, there's something inside of you when you is opposition. A few years ago, many years ago, 20 years ago, okay, um, <laughs> while I was a young buck, and uh, we, had, we were doing Bible college, and we go up to Zimbabwe. Who's from Zimia? Do you want to raise your hand? Come on. Amazing. We've got incredible Zimbabwe people in the church, Zimbabwean people. And, um, but we went there, and it was in the heart of uh, kind of the political unrest, 2001, 2000, 2002. And we go into—we're going to do like this outreach. So we, we partnered with some local churches there, and we go in, and we, we start preaching the gospel— and, uh, and in that moment, there was, there was like a, a, a rising up of the crowd. I don't know if they thought that we were possibly political or whatever it is. And we we're like, no, no, we're just preaching the gospel. Within a moment, I just saw this one guy pick up a bottle, go, Psh, and then he starts running after us. And all of our friends, we're like, we're like, it honestly felt like a movie, you know, like we're kind of going, and I'm like, yes, come, just jump over, and I'm taking girls, they're, 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 we had like girls on our team, I'm throwing them back on, on the track, I have like the superhuman strength, and um, uh, I was probably the first guy on the track, if I'm honest. You know, it's amazing how you remember the stories, you know, like, come, 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 oh, too late, She's was too slow, and... Um, so we're kind of running and then we jump on the back, but I do remember being in the last and I was holding on the back and I grabbed someone onto the track and there's a whole like, crew that is just literally chasing after us. And, uh, and we get back to our dorm and we're like 18 years old and we're like, we know what it's like to be like Paul. We suffered for the gospel. And I, I don't know, think it was probably just being unwise more than suffering for the gospel. But, um, it was, but there's something inside of you that, that fuels the gift of God when there's opposition against you. And we live in a time where there's opposition, preaching the truth, living the truth. Even talking to your friends and colleagues about Jesus is awkward. And they're like, so you're a Christian. I mean, I'm, I'm meeting with some of my old school friends that are all going to eventually be here and give their lives to Jesus. But uh, come on. And I'm sitting around, they're like, oh, so you're a priest today. Oh, I'm like, no, dude. I'm a pastor, leader lead a church. And it's just, it just, it's just not in the framework, you know. And, um, and, it's, and I know it's, it can... It, Honestly, sometimes when you're preaching the gospel to people, it feels like you're just hitting a wall because you're hitting this wall of unbelief. There's layers of why they don't believe. It's not popular. We're not called to be popular as as, being, as followers of Jesus. We do bring the truth and we bring life. Even, there's so much I can say on that. Um, we stir the gift by His grace. He has saved us. And he has called us to a holy life. This is verse 9. Not because anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it, was now, uh, it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And we, we, we fan the gift of God in our lives because we have to remember the gospel. We have to remember what Jesus has done for us. And one of the exercises that I'm going to ask the community groups to do is to possibly go around the circle and say, tell us your story of when you met Jesus. Remind yourself of your first love. Remind yourself of why you threw yourself into serving and into the local church and willing to do anything that people tell you to do around the gospel because there's something of your heart was ignited back then. And I honestly believe God wants to reignite hearts. We need to remind ourselves of the gospel. Some of us have gospel amnesia, and that does two things. It makes us ineffective because we, we, we forget the greatness of the gospel. And we need to remind ourselves that we were dead in our transgressions, as the Bible says. We were dead in our sin. We had no communication with God, but God chose us in Christ, and He called us out. And uh, through that, we get adopted into His family. And what it also does is, if you forget the gospel, is that when people walk through the door who you know are far from God... And they may even look like it, act like it. You know what they've done the night before and like, what can they be doing here? We, we can be like the older brother with the prodigal son. We can be like, oh, you know, you look at people with disdain. And either way, we need to remind ourselves of how far we've fallen, how God raised us up and, and saved us because it gives people grace. And there's people here who are arriving at this meeting and maybe in the next meeting who've, maybe it's your first time in church, maybe someone invited you, whatever it is. But I want you to know that you are loved. You're welcome. Uh, if Jesus doesn't look at all the stuff that you've done in your past and is and, and able to wash you clean and, and, and make you new right now, then who am I to even sit and judge you? Because Jesus is the one who's going to heal you, save you, and set you free. So you're welcome. And you can come here for weeks before you even, you can, years before you even surrender your life to Jesus. I want you to be sure that this is what you want. It says in Ephesians 2, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's a key thing in our gospel amnesia, is that we sometimes think that it's through our goodness that we have God's favor. That is a lie. It's only through Jesus' goodness that we have God's favor in our lives. And if, if we ever think it's because we've done, we get into this kind of weird, meshed up uh, law and grace gospel that, you know, I know Jesus saved me, but I know I need to do a whole bunch of things that make it, that and please him. So I do believe this, that if you walk out in faithfulness, God blesses that. But you're standing before God. His love towards you is a gift. If I had 10,000 domes and I gave it to Jason, he's just been credited with 10,000 dirhams. And he's saying, please, my son's in university. Do you have it? (laughs) We found the gift, and now I'm going to race to his last two, um, by sound teaching. And uh, and I want to say, like, it's good to listen to podcasts, but I would chat to community group leaders, like, because there's some strange stuff on the Internet, honestly. Even the world we live in now, you can, uh, uh, if you, like, Google anything Christian, You're going to come on your Facebook and Instagram adverts, like strange stuff. Just, you know, like, make sure that they're actually Bible-believing, I'd say, spirit-filled Christians, because there's a a big difference on all of that, but sound teaching. Paul writes to me, he says, what you've heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. That's always the key thing. Does it lead to faith and love in Christ Jesus? Because if it doesn't lead to those two, and it leads to arguments and fighting, you have to check what your teaching is actually about. It's healthy, it's healthy teaching. It's the, Paul writes, it says, it's the whole counsel of God. It's, it's understanding. There's a book by Wayne Grudem called um, Systematic Theology. It's like this thick. I've read different parts of it at different points in my life. But I encourage you, if you, not even if you're new to faith, if you're like, man, I need to remind myself of some of these things, just the, the gospel, uh, what Jesus did, the Holy Spirit, and you just get this and you just read through it because it, it builds foundations in your life that when stuff starts to happen, when the world is going crazy, you know that you can come back to these deep foundations. Stalin and I often think back and are so grateful that we grew up in church. I grew up in a, a Baptist church the first few years of my life. My dad wasn't saved at that stage. My mom was. She was a spirit-filled Baptist. She would go to Toronto blessing, but then go to the Baptist church for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, no, opposite way. Anyway, she would go to the Baptist church for, for sound teaching and And I remember being young and learning scriptures, and we had to go home and and memorize scriptures, come back the next week with these memory verses that we had learned, and you stand, and it was a celebration. I thought, there's something actually so powerful in that. Because when I actually came back to Jesus, whenever it was 12 years later, I remembered those scriptures. Everything just came to mind. And it's, it's something so powerful, and I said it last week, one of the key things in our church is our kids' ministry. If you want to change the world, go be part of History Makers. Paul Wright says there's a pattern that's laid out. And John Tyson, he's a church in New York, says this. He says, without repetition, there's no formation. And that's in anything. Speak to anyone who's ripped and they go to gym. That doesn't happen overnight. That happens because there's repetition. Let's look at something so simple, okay? If you didn't brush your teeth every night, your teeth would fall out and you had stinky breath, Okay? It's it's something that I'm now cleaning my kids' teeth while they're in the bath, and they hate it. I'm like ah, and they're just like hmm, and then, and then I just if, if I can just get a little bit in, I twist twist the toothbrush and then like pry their jaw open, hold it, and then brush their teeth quickly. And it's like it's something that's inside of them that they like. Okay, well that's just that's that's built a pathway in my a neurological pathway in my brain that every night I'm going to brush my teeth, and then it'll eventually get to every morning and night, which hopefully most of us do. I bet the masks is now a bit of a gift, eh? Um, And uh, Paul says that there's a pattern, and that just happens from doing stuff over and over and over. We are meant, the Bible is designed for us to read over and over and over, because what it starts to do, is it starts to build neurological pathways in our brain and then all of a sudden you read something in the Old Testament and two years before you were reading through like uh, Hebrews and you're like, ah, oh, it just comes together. And that's how we're meant to read the Bible. We're not, it's not a popcorn thing. of like, let's take all the best verses out and then I'm going to use them, and then just tweet that and then be like all super spiritual and stuff. No, no, no. We're meant, to, we're meant to kind of read it cover to cover time and time again and it may take you two, three years to read the Bible through. That's fine, just but keep reading. Keep reading. Go through the hard books. Leviticus. Numbers. I'm going through numbers now. Wow. I'm like, zzz, <laughs> just like speed read, speed read, speed. Okay, cool. Cool stuff. And then, but like get it, get it inside of you because that creates patterns that are actually helping your thinking. We are renewed. Sorry, we are changed by the renewing of our minds. So Paul knew about psychology before it was even kind of expressed in today's terms. We know that we can rewire our brains. By thinking certain ways. By, um, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf has done incredible research on this. And when I was going through some tough times with anxiety and, and just stuff in my mind that I couldn't shift and change. Uh, she just said, sometimes the Bible speaks about renewing your mind. Sometimes you have to do it every like two minutes. So I was driving around Spain. And I was like, I should be on holiday. I should be relaxed. And I'm like ripped with anxiety. And I just it was just a lot of trash. And then what I started to do is every two minutes renew my mind. Driving the car, two, three hours. Starla's there, we we, like, we silent in the car together. We didn't have kids back then. And we're just driving and drive past like an old fort and I just renew my mind, renew my mind. And I can tell you that little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit is the thing that begins to change you that ultimately I got out and there was freedom because of the renewing of our minds. It's a pattern. God, and finally, we, we, we fan to flame the gift of God in us by guarding the deposits. And that's just simply faithfulness. Paul says to Timothy, guard the deposits that you have. What are you faithful with? Be faithful with the little, God will give you much. In the kingdom of God, success is always about faithfulness. Faithfulness around what He's given you, what He's called you to do. Not faithfulness with someone else's gift. It's like, I can't look at Ryan and I want to try to be like Ryan. And then, No, no, he's got his own path to walk. I've got my path to walk. But be faithful with with what God has placed in front of you. And some of you are desiring greater things, ministry, um, whatever it is. But you have to be faithful now. Just be faithful with the little things. And God begins to add and add and add. There's no way, there's no way around it. That's just long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Peterson said this. And sometimes that's going to be endurance. Um, I haven't run a marathon. My dad has run many. But there's, there's moments where he, he'll hit a wall and you just have to endure through the tough, the tough parts. And you just keep going, one foot in front of the other. And I've done that in church where I was like, I get up and you guys, I may have put on a good show, but I was like, man, I'm dead inside, I'm tired, um, whatever. And this is not now, don't worry, I'm in a good space now. But there's, <laughs> the Bible even says in, yeah, in 2 Timothy, which we're going to read later, it says, be ready to preach the word in season and out of season. Sometimes we have out of seasons in our life, and that's Okay. We just need to keep going forward. Be faithful with what's in your hand. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Father, we are so grateful that your word is the thing that changes us. By your spirit igniting the word, it molds us, it makes us become more like you. And I pray, Lord God, right now, if anything I've said that is... Kind of spark something in people's hearts. I pray, Lord God, that you'd bring it to mind. Some of you have maybe have a low view of yourself. God says, Stir the gift of God. There's more inside of you than you realize. He's placed life inside of you, it's, it's His doing. All you have to do is say, God, surrender, obey, stir the gift. Father, I pray for an awakening in our church. to to the wonder of who you are to the wonder of your word to your spirit I thank you Jesus that every single person standing here every single person online has a gift on their lives it may not have been through the laying on of hands but you've placed it there God cannot be taken away Father we just we honor you this morning we worship you I pray Lord God just for even in the community groups in this coming week that your the prophetic would flow that there would just be an awakening to to hear what you are saying over people's hearts and lives so important Leon, I, I just kept going back, I kept looking at you in, in the meeting over and over. And I feel like the Father wants to. I just saw a picture now of almost putting new clothes on you. And um, you've worn stuff from your past generations and whatever it is. But the Father's saying that today that, that He's making you new. You don't have to try with any of this stuff. He wants to, he wants to replace. I just see the, like a supernatural thing where he's replacing wrong thinking about yourself, about your future. God has great things for you. The way he's made you, he loves. He delights over it. You have gifts and skills that not many people have. So, Father, I thank you for Dion. I thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.